Guys, welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth once again. We have a very special guest, Kenny Main, joining us today. We're going to cover some other big, big things in the sports world once he leaves. Welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth. Another great episode here once again. Guys, as I said, welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth. We got myself, Jacob Jarrett, Connor Armstrong, and Peyton Marshall. And not, let's not forget Kenny Main joining us today, former ESPN on-air personality. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I like to hold something, so I grabbed the football. <laughs> Doug, Baldwin. <laughs> Doug Baldwin gave this to my daughter at a Seahawks game on the sidelines, and then I stole it from my daughter. So he stole it from the Seahawks. <laughs> She's not old enough to handle a ball of, of this <laughs> style and magnitude so it's my favorite football ever it's ne i've never felt a more broken in football and i've had it since 2015 somewhere it's been a while it's awesome that was when the seahawks were pretty good though but listen we're gonna jump into the questions connor start us off what do you want to ask yeah kenny uh wanted to ask you first you spent 27 years at espn what was in your mind what is what would you think is the highlight of your career at uh, espn um, when I got Stevie Wonder to say I can't be at the All-Star game, I have a high ankle sprain. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's insane. Other than that, I don't remember much about the whole. No, um, the wider world of sports was pretty good. Uh, we traveled around the world, covered the Palio, the horse race in Italy, Irish road bowling, you know, got to do a bunch of free European vacations, essentially, but made good stuff. We're very proud of that. Main Street, where... I'm taking responsibility for launching the careers of Aubrey Plaza, Allison Becker, John Glazer, Ben Schwartz, uh, Chris Smith, to some degree, Mulaney. He was in one episode, I think. Um, wow. But no, uh, the football stories, NFL Countdown, they used to let me screw around and do like pretend football stories. <laughs> mm -hmm. And obviously, SportsCenter, you know, the, the immediacy of covering stuff right when it happened and jumping on the air and covering a no-hitter or shot that was just made and uh, there's a whole bunch of things. I, I had fun the whole time. Uh, first off, Kenny, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we're really fortunate to have this opportunity to talk to you. Um, I was just wondering, what would you say is the sport that you found to be the most consistently entertaining over the course of a season in terms of having, you know, newsworthy stuff to go over on the air? Professional high life. Um, they day in, day out. It's the fastest ball sport in the world. I grew up, I went to school in Las Vegas. I played at UNLV a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And we used to go to Highlight, which was at the old MGM, which is now Bally's on Flamingo. That was like the cheapest entertainment because we had no money. We're in college. Scholarship checks like 480 Rents 200 uh, You know, you're just trying to make it by eating a $1.99 buffets. Uh, <laughs> but a more serious answer, probably the NFL. I mean, the popularity of the NFL and you know, there's, there's always something it's, it became, I don't know when it happened. It's been a long time, 20 years, maybe where it became a year round sport, right? Like baseball's great, but we don't necessarily pay that much attention between the October and the start of spring training. There might be some deals or whatever, but football is seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You know, it's, it's, it's what it's kind of central to Americana, if you will, you know, so I'd, I'd say the NFL. Yeah. So you talk about the polio. Uh, it's one of the most historic events in, in, in sports history. Uh, can you describe the energy and the culture surrounding the polio horse races in Siena, Italy, and just how you felt being around the crowd and just how, how it differed from anything you'd felt in American sports culture? Yeah, it's hard to compare it with anything, the intensity of it. So for those who don't know, twice every summer, they hold a horse race in the town square of this little town called Siena, Italy. And it takes back to medieval times. They've been doing this race for, you know, hundreds of years. And there's 17 districts. They're called them Contradas. Each one has sort of a mascot. Like we bonded with the unicorns. There was the owl district, et cetera, the fish, whatever. And it means the world to them. They have two races every summer. So 10 of the 17 get to race. And then those who didn't and three more, right, to make 10, 10 twice. And they do three laps around this town square. They throw a bunch of dirt and kind of mash it down and hope for the best. Um, but they take it very seriously. They're kind of superstitious about it. Like if they think they do well, their wine crop's going to be better. If they think they did better than their enemy district, you know, the owls and the unicorns are always victims. You know, that's all that matters. Like the owls, uh, 
fell, the, the Alka horse crashed into the, the curve of St. Martin, I believe it's called. Um, and the, and the unicorns finished, I think third, but at least they beat the owls. You know what I mean? They did better than their rival this year. Just recently, the unicorns won for the first time, I think in 15 years. So we celebrated on Twitter and repeated our 14 minute little mini documentary. You can look it up. If you, if you look up my last name and the word Palio, P-A-L-I-O, you can see the bit that we did, geez, 10 years ago, maybe now. <laughs> yeah, de definitely check that out. It's a very different culture than what we experience over here yeah. in American sports. But um, and the build, yeah. the build up is crazy. Like they yeah. have parades and everybody's singing the song in the street and the mm -hmm. selection of the horse is a big deal and the jockey comes in and um, they're just very passionate. It's just different. In the same way, people are passionate about their soccer team or their football team or whatever, but I feel like it's one more step. To a different level, for sure. I want to go to the last show that you ever did at ESPN in which you interviewed Aaron Rodgers. What was your favorite part of that interview? And can you give me a little backstory if there was any planning into the way that you ended it by saying, fuck you, Aaron Rodgers, as you left, uh, as you left the ESPN set? I really want to know if there was any you know, kind of background to that. But the interview overall, how was that? No, I mean, I had that joke in my pocket. I didn't, there was no, nothing was scripted. There was no teleprompter. It was just whatever came out. I had a few questions for each guest that I kind of knew I'd probably go there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the background was, and that wasn't the last thing in the show. That was the last thing in his episode or his part. That's of true, show. yeah. Um, people, it's funny, people say that a lot. They thought that's literally what I said and left for good. But I, I said it, <laughs> we taped it at, you know, between 8.30 and 9.30, we taped all the interviews. The show started late because I think there was a baseball game that ran long. So our two-hour show became 87 minutes or whatever. And mm -hmm. the joke among all of us was, they're going to kill my last show. Like, literally, we won't get on the air. We're going to get moved to ESPN News or some horrible <laughs> thing. So yeah. um, we'll be on SEC Network or, I don't know, no offense to the <laughs> SEC Network. But you know what I'm saying? It was supposed to be on ESPN 1. Mm -hmm. um, that did sound offensive, didn't it? Um, I, I take it back. All the, that up. So, Aaron, I had interviewed not long before that because remember he guest hosted on Jeopardy. Yep. And I think this was after the show, if I'm not mistaken. We just kept talking a bit, and he was telling me about uh, a cryptocurrency and how great it was. And I'm like, oh, you mean like you take real money and then you buy pretend money and then you hope <laughs> other people buy pretend money for real money? Is that? My clothes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. he sold me on buying some crypto, which I did in real life. I really did not, not a ton. Um, and they went down of course, and it was just perfect setup to say, Hey, you told me to buy crypto. Then I get, <laughs> then I get fired. My wife needs a fucking comforter. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> that's pretty that's, much the joke. And the great awesome. thing, yeah. the great thing was sometimes, you know, our minds work funny. There was some nervousness, you know, it was my last night, do it right, don't forget stuff. And I almost screwed up and forgot that. Like I was just about to wrap up and I was like, oh, do that joke, you know? So yeah. I just like reset the table. Definitely. And I, I'm curious though, cause you mentioned that Rogers kind of got you into cryptocurrency a little bit. I want to know now, nowadays, after you retired already, are you still deep into cryptocurrency? What's the deal with that? Has Rogers like kind of kept you in the game or are you totally out of it now? I bought the little bit that I bought and I've just held. I'm just, I'm watching the market. Okay. I'm just saying, yeah. Market. Smart guy. I don't know what that is. It still sounds like a pyramid <laughs> scheme to me. But um, yeah, whatever happens, uh, hopefully somebody needed the money more. Hopefully the money was, you know, dispersed to others who sold and yeah. they're having a good day. Definitely. Last thing, though, because I mentioned Aaron Rodgers, obviously the upcoming NFL season, it's almost here. Week one's going to be about, I believe, a week or two. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, they lose Devontae Adams. In your expert opinion, do you think Aaron Rodgers has one more Super Bowl left in him, and how well will the Packers perform this season? Oh, they'll make the playoffs, and then it depends on if they do well in the play. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like anybody who qualifies for the playoffs might win the Super Bowl. That's – Yeah. It's just you have to have a good enough season. Home field certainly helps, right? Uh, not always, but it often does. And, yeah, I mean, they're going to obviously be a contender. Whether they take it all the way through is impossible to predict. I hate making football predictions because <laughs> there's it's just there's too many intangibles. There's people who get hurt and mm -hmm. somebody has a down season or whatever. Defense falls apart. There's all sorts of reasons yeah. why you do or don't fully succeed. And only one team wins. 
And I don't know, maybe I'm getting old, but I'm obviously I'm very competitive at everything I do, playing Yahtzee, playing golf, even though I'm no good, you know, like I'd rather win than lose at everything. And these guys are the same way, obviously the highest level of competition, but they'll definitely be there. And then it's all dependent on if they get a little lucky in the playoffs, you got luck factors in as well as skill at that point and sort of the energy, right? The teams that are getting it together late December and they're on a good roll. They got good yep. emotion. Losing that receiver is unhelpful. Um, but, you know, he knows where to stick the ball. Like other guys, he he was good before he had him, right? And he yep. was really good when he had him. I think they'll figure it out. That's been my whole mindset. I feel like without Devontae, he'll still be able to be successful. But, Connor, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, Kenny, easy one. Who is your favorite athlete of all time and why? Dang, that's not easy. <laughs> Did you mean that wasn't easy when you said it was easy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was easy for me to ask you. You know what? I'm just going with Sue Bird, recency bias. Hey. I'm so one. proud of her, not just for her basketball, but all her activism and the way the WNBA women have been such leaders in this insane time we're living through. Um and I'm just rooting for her success. I got to go to the game in Seattle. They they moved on in the playoffs. They got to play Las Vegas next. And I get to be on her little show. She does a little thing uh, called Between Two Birds. It'll take off on Zach Galifianakis. So I'm excited for that yeah. Wednesday. Um, unless they find a better person and I get killed. Um, <laughs> so, no. Yeah, I'm going to go recency bias. I just saw her play. She has fresh legs. Like, she could... She could play again next year without question. I think she's like, hey, how much you want from me? I've, you know, 20 years is enough, right? So <laughs> Yeah, tw- she's, she's one of the goats of WNBA, too. 20 years, she's been phenomenal. All-time leader in assists, too. I'd say besides Sue Bird, I'd go to Secretariat uh, and Muhammad Ali. That's a good one. Go one. Jesse Jacob, I'll throw to you. Oh, yeah. Jesse Owens, too. That's a good one. Sure. Jacob lost sound right. and he's gone. Goodbye, Jacob. Yeah. We're going to me. Kenny, I have a mouthful for you. Not literally, but metaphorically. Uh, In an interview with Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart, you mentioned the addition of skateboarding into the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and how it gave skaters a platform to shine that they previously didn't have. The American market is dominated by basketball, football, and baseball content. Do you feel there is something inherently wrong with the lack of variety and opportunity in American sports culture? Big question. I mean, a bunch of sports got head starts. I mean, it's no different than... The rest of America, right? A whole bunch of people got head starts. You know, families in certain situations, uh, people of certain colors got less good starts, right? Um, so it's just kind of the way the thing is built, right? Some in sports, some people or some leagues or some sports were institutionalized sooner than others. So some of these so-called fringe sports came along later, got sort of moved into the mainstream more than they once were. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily unjust or anything, like if that's what you're asking, because there's no way, let's say we have 20 different sports. If that's the number, there's probably more Yep. Uh, pickle pickleballs making a late comeback. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so everybody can't be number one. Right. You know, something's always going to be kind of the favored one. It's going to draw the most money. It's going to command the most attention. And it's just like anything else where there's so many choices now. Oh, we losing them. Kenny, come back. Kenny, come on, man. I think he's gone. Uh, the connect, uh, the connection's getting lost. Hopefully, we can get him back in a second. I do want to mention one thing before we try to get him back. My dad, an avid pickleball player. Kenny's 100% right. Pickleball is yeah. making a comeback. Shout out Charles Mayoni. He is an avid pickleball player right now. Obviously, I, we lost Kenny for a second. We're going to try to get him back on here in a minute. Guys, I'm really enjoying having him on. I like the discussion. Peyton, that question that you just asked, you said a mouthful. That was that was saying something. That was Thanks, a pals. Thanks, friends. Loaded, yeah, that was a loaded, loaded question. I'm I actually pit. appreciate it. I'm pissed because I wanted to hear his full response, but I think he got I it know, out for the most part. He's kind of right. We can get him back in a second. His, I think his answer was mostly based around the fact that America is a capitalist society, and at the end of the day, yeah. if a certain sport brings in more money than another, then I guess you know lack of opportunity is just a part of the cookie. You know what I mean? And yep. that's just what we have to take it for what it is. But yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I'm enjoying talking to him. I'm sad he's gone, but hey, at least we hopefully, got him. For, at least we got him for we 15. We can get him back hopefully in a second if he rejoins. But the other thing I wanted to say, you're kind of right, and I'll get your thoughts on this, Jacob, in a second. But, like, again, sports like basketball and football, Peyton, you said it perfectly like Kenny Mayne did. 
if they're going to be making more money, they're going to get more airtime. They're going to get more TV deals. They're going to get more exposure. And that's just kind of naturally how, again, the cookie crumbles. It's almost like the natural, almost like natural selection that just sports that aren't going to bring in as much interest, as much monetary value, they're going to fall by the wayside more so. And again, sports like football, basketball, soccer, hockey, baseball, even baseball has fallen a little bit, but just those main sports, they're going to garner more attention. But Jacob, give me your thoughts. Let me try to get Kenny back. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it just generally has to do with upbringing. I mean, obviously, you see based on different areas, you have yeah. more kids being shown to certain sports at a younger age than eventually being fans of those sports when they get older. And mm-hmm. I just think that it's one of those things where based on the way American history has transpired that, you know, those specific sports, it's going to be hard for other ones to level on with them just mm-hmm. purely because, I mean, people call baseball America's national pastime because at that time, that's all there was. Yeah. And then for a period, you know, it they started adding one by one. And it's like it almost feels like we're at a point now where it's like those three or four will always reign supreme. But yep. there's always going to be, you know, stuff on the side trying to kindle its way in. So. Definitely. We got Kenny hey, back, back. Yeah, There he yes, is. Yes, let's go. Well, know so what Kenny, happened? What happened? My phone, my phone just stopped and said, we're done. And a message came up that said, my phone is too hot for usage because <laughs> global global warming has affected this shit. No, it was, I was on the porch yeah. and I had my phone propped up against my computer so I could get a stable look. And it was in the Seattle sun. It's all good. And the phone said, no moss. I'm done here. So <laughs> it's all good. Kenny, you can finish what you were saying, though, uh, touching on Peyton's question about how other sports kind of don't get as much of a kick as other ones and don't really get as much attention. Uh, you can finish what you were saying about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, fair or unfair, like women's sports have come on and gotten way more coverage than they once did, which is great. Like, I'm a huge fan, particularly of my home team here, the Storm, and – watching all sorts of things right look how yeah. look how much attention comes in the olympics to certain women's sports more than men's and it would mm-hmm. stand to reason that oh maybe people would watch some more of this if we gave them the chance but money drives everything right so if 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 networks know that if they buy nfl rights that guarantees them huge rating success for the games and the secondary programming they like to call it shoulder programming now um, yeah you know, all the build-up shows and the post-game shows and hell, just look at Twitter, you know, look at, look at somebody like, um, you know, Woj on the NBA or Schefter in the NFL, how much attention they get just to say so-and-so signing with (laughs) so-and-so. So it's just the way it is. I don't know how it's described, except that a bunch of sports, certain sports got head starts on others. So there's no way skateboarding as good as the, you know, 520, rhythmic bender move was i just made that up um you know we can all appreciate that yeah but it isn't gonna supplant you know it's not moving the nfl out of the way tomorrow then again with so many channels so many streaming services so many websites everybody kind of does get a little bit of attention it's just not gonna be the same as weekly nfl coverage fair enough definitely jacob we'll go to your question Well, that actually leads perfectly into my question, because I was going to ask, you know, in terms of those streaming services and, you know, online news really becoming pretty much the norm, do you prefer the way things used to be? Or do you think that, you know, there's, you know, enough positives with this new technological sports journalistic world that it outweighs, you know, the way things used to be? I don't know if it matters what I think of it or if I care, because it's just it's it's already here. Right. It's already what it is. Um everything evolves. There's, there's way more choices. I always say to kids, like when people are asking advice about how to get in, they look at how I did it, which was like 200 to one that I ever made it. Um, but I'm always like, you guys got it better than I did. You, you can start your website today, start a TikTok account, Instagram, Twitter. If you're any good, people are going to follow you and you can capitalize off of that. So I think the fact that there are way more opportunities to do things is a good thing. And things have been kind of democratized, right, to some degree. Now, there's a lot of nonsense out there, too, particularly in the real news right. division, mm-hmm. where people are just making up anything, and there's a certain amount of people that fall for it. Um, but as far as sports goes, I think the fact that there are many more ways to consume things is probably a good thing. I'm stopping for water, but I'll listen to your question. 
Gotcha. Connor, you can go next. Yeah, Kenny, I wanted to ask you about a uh, first pitch that you threw out at the Mariners game a couple years ago. I know you said that you wanted to throw 75 miles an hour, and I think you ended up throwing around like 67, 68. How was that whole process uh, for you getting ready to throw out that first pitch? And were you satisfied with the result, even though it wasn't 75? No, what happened was I've been asked to do that a few times, and I was asked in that particular time a couple years back, I was at work, I think, when the, the message came in, and I told my friends who I was, you know, typing and getting ready for the show. And one of them, Derek, says, what do you think you'll throw? And I said, I don't know, 75. I just kind of made up a number. I figure I can still get in that neighborhood. Yeah. And I was never a pitcher. If they let me throw a football, I'd look way better. I, I'd rather throw a football from, I don't know, short center field or something. Um, so I just said 75. He's like, no way. So we immediately have to have a bat. <laughs> <laughs> a couple other guys, it has to be a strike. Now we're arguing over, I said, it has to be a borderline strike. Like, it, like I don't have to be perfect, just in the neighborhood. Yeah. So my arm's still in good shape, but I'm not a pitcher, and I haven't thrown a baseball in quite a while. So I ended up, and I almost wonder, was it a practical joke by these baseball guys down there in Kent, Washington? They trained me for about a week before, and I feel like we over, my arm didn't need help. What I needed help with was my mechanics. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know you know, how to load and how to throw. I know how to throw a football. And we, I think we overdid it. And I also kind of choked. I got out there, hurried my pitch. I didn't, I didn't, I took a football step. I took a small, like I do to throw a football. Yeah. The next year I got to 73. That was shot in Hartford. We did it remotely because of COVID. I, I think on the right day with the right air temperature, I think I can get right around 75. But again, what I'd much rather do is stick me on right field and throw like one hop to the plate. I think that might be more impressive anyway. Yeah. And it's a much easier throw. Pitching's hard. Yeah, no, it is. 100. D different mechanics. The, the quarterback in you came out a little bit there for that one. But Peyton, we'll give, we'll give you the next question. Uh, I'm going to let, let Paco. Paco, you can go. Oh. He's got, he's, yeah, let Paco. Paco, unmute yourself. Yeah, unmute buddy. yourself. There you go. Whoops. There you go, Jacob. Um, in your way early ruin, way to ruin the show. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> I'm sure these guys would all agree. All right, Jacob. Go, um, go Jacob. Okay, so I was wondering, uh, what major takeaways did you have from your time at KSTW uh, station in Seattle, which is obviously where you got your start uh, in the world before uh, ESPN? And you know, what about those years gave you a reliable platform going forward within the industry? You know what? For almost ruining the show, that was a really good question. <laughs> um, what was great, so people who don't know, I left UNLV in broadcasting, and I still wanted to play football, even though I wasn't any big star in college. I was like second string. But I felt like I knew, you know, I knew the guys that were going to get a look. And I was like, I don't think I'm that far behind those guys, even though I didn't get to prove it. So my coach talked the Seahawks into looking at me. And I signed a contract, but I failed the physical for my ankle, which, by the way, we have a foundation to help veterans because my ruined ankle. So I have a brace that I use, a device we like to call it. So if you look up runfreely.org, you can see how we're helping veterans with the same device that I use to do things. I'm playing golf with it tomorrow. Awesome. Anyway, I failed the physical. I get a job in TV like two days later in Seattle. But as a kind of a gopher, you know, I think we call it a production assistant these days. I just kind of did stuff you know i ripped green sheets apart i we used to use five-way copy paper that was our script we had to tape it together to roll it through the teleprompter like it was 1982 here right yeah um and i, I just kind of kept moving up i was a, i became a producer i was the writer for the news of the national news which was my interest anyway i, I wanted to do more serious things actually but then i somehow got on the air started doing local news and then they added a weekend show, which they didn't have previously. We'd always say, if there's news on the weekends, it's news to us. That was our motto. Um, yeah. Now I'm doing sports, and out of you know, I've never done sports in my life. Never been on TV in that fashion. I've never been an anchor, right? Like I got five minutes. It's your turn. So definitely, I wasn't as good as I would become later at whatever I did. Um, but you know, that's that's right to be expected. Your first day is not as good as your second day. So. The great thing about it, to get to your question about what did I get from it or learn from it, it was very experimental, like no bosses were around. It was me and the, my partner, Rod Simons, who did the news, two or three camera people, couple field reporters, like seven of us putting on a news show, right? 
covering the Seattle metropolitan market. <laughs> but, you know, sports was easy. You'd, you'd either go to the Mariner game or the Seahawks game or the Husky. You know, you'd go to the event, get some interviews, go back to the station, which is like 30, 40 miles away. It's not Seattle. It was in Tacoma. Yeah. And put on a little show. And there might have been some comfort in knowing it wasn't highly watched, but yet you still, you know, like you weren't going to like completely embarrass yourself in front of 10 million people. But it still mattered, right? Each show mattered. We wanted to do well. We studied them and tried to do better. And it turned out I was kind of using a similar method that they use at ESPN for how they do highlights. I just kind of made up my own method. So instead of writing out sentences of description of the tape, I would just kind of put bullet points. First inning, Griffey, home run. Mariners up 2 nothing, And that would play. And I, I could do my highlight call the way I would end up doing them at ESPN because they use what's called a shot sheet. It's like first inning, same thing. First inning, Mariners up 2 nothing. Griffey at bat. Griffey, homer number 40, Mariners up 4 nothing, or whatever the case, right? Yeah. And you, you, you are playing off your notes and what's rolling on the video back and forth, back and forth, and trying to stay on time. So I think that was a huge beneficial thing for me when I got to ESPN, finally, because um, I quit that job and went through like four years of freelancing and working various jobs. I sold prepaid legal insurance. I assembled garbage cans. <laughs> I worked for MCI and corporate sales. This, this is like four years. Yeah. And then ESPN2 started. Keith Olbermann and Susie Colbert were the lead anchors. Stuart Scott, Bill Pito, and Deb Kaufman were the smash anchors. It was like the two-minute, four-minute update, whatever. And Stuart moved up to be the anchor. Keith moved over to Channel One again, and they needed one more guy, and that was me. It's an awesome wow. story. The guy was the guy was grinding even when he wasn't fully at ESPN yet. Peyton, give me your question. So you and Katie, I got to like, hop off, fellas. Sorry. All right, you know what? That's Going in the field. Bye, Jacob. Thank you, Kenny. Bye, Jacob. What? See you, Jacob. Thank you. He's he's going hey. to play a soccer tournament. He's a really you know, uh, he's got he's got he's a committed committed goaltender. He couldn't find his gloves about ten <laughs> minutes ago. He was pooping his pants. Uh, you went to the national dog show with Katie Nolan in Philadelphia about a year ago, and when you got there, fun. the dog owners were extremely standoffish about letting you touch their dogs, pet their dogs. You chased the guy almost halfway across the convention center just to pet his Bernie's Mountain Dog, and he wouldn't let you. Were you surprised by the vibe of the dog show and just like the hostility with the owners and their dogs? Well, having already seen Best in Show, and I'm a big Christopher Guest fan, who, by the way, was a guest on my podcast, um, he was instrumental in that whole thing because we were trying to copy it. We were trying to do our own version, and I think we would have done our version if he never did his version. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think Katie and I would have gone there, not to make fun of the thing, but to have fun with it, you know, just kind of like, what in the hell? And yeah. the, the people are very intense they're very much <laughs> like you saw if you saw the movie best in show and we were kind of doing the can we pet your dog as sort of a goof to see who would let us and who wouldn't yeah but we tried to you know be respectful of you know you don't just like if you're on the street and you see a dog that says don't pet you don't pet it right like if it's a if it's a worker dog yeah uh, but I, like i know a veteran in connecticut he lets me pet his like it's it's his it's his companion dog, but he he's cool with it. He, it's okay for strangers to come up. Um, in this case, we needed material that was supposed to be funny, so we just kind of went after it. Quick follow-up that has nothing to do with this. I saw you drinking smart water at the beginning of the interview, and then you pull out a Fiji water from the fridge. Are you a designer water guy? Is that your, is that your thing? Um, I like Fiji water better. The smart <laughs> water is out there melting with I need a I, if you can make like a Venn diagram of like smart water and Fiji water and like what the positives and negatives are both are. What would be the biggest positive of Fiji water? Well, the truth is, I should just be drinking Seattle tap water here because it's it's nothing good wrong stuff. With it. But yeah, it's hard to take a glass, you know, driving in your car. So sometimes I'll, I should get the recyclable water bottle. You're right. You've, you've is it the shape? Is it the shape of the bottle? I'm a packaging sucker. I'll buy anything that looks, I mean, it has a flower. It says natural, artesian water, probably beneficial. Just trying to hydrate. That's exactly what I was looking for. Thank you, Kenny. So like yesterday at the the storm game, you can't, you know, you can't bring in drinks, right? Yeah. But my daughter had had a, uh, you know, recyclable, like a reusable water container. I'm like, wait a minute. This place is called Climate Pledge Arena with (laughs) things. 
that she's doing something to save and they did they waved her through they said you have to dump it out but you can bring it in and refill it inside hey good awesome that's cool good last stuff. question though before we let you go kenny i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you this i know earlier in the interview you said you don't like making football predictions but i have to ask you way too early super bowl winner predictions any thoughts on that at all give it to me i know you probably won't make one but i had to ask don't do it let me share that we have Swedish fish here. <laughs> also, Gretchen, Gretchen loves to have like the candy thing. So when the kids come over, um, hold on. This is a oh picture my of my grandma and me and my sisters. <laughs> That's awesome. Up at the bottom. Oh my god! Who That's some like? history. Um, I I think I can't even. I don't even care to make one because. Anybody in the AFC West is good, right? We've already named all the good quarterbacks yeah, out there. Basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aaron's gonna show up. Why is this refrigerator open? That's a mistake. <laughs> go Mariners is what I'm saying. And Hell so, yeah. <laughs> go Mariners. They're, Great they're, way to... They've been really fun to watch. They 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 have like a really good uh energy about them. They're clearly like together in this project and they're having some good success. So I'm hopeful that they, you know, stay in and they make the playoffs and then anything happens. Seahawks, I can't, I can't figure it out. I trust Pete. If he says this is what we need, you know, he's he's been good to us so far. Like yeah. that's the same thing. It bothers me that some people are down on Russell because he, he's over there now. I was like, dude, he gave us ten great years. You, you missed the playoff once, maybe. You know, like well, I think it was one, it was one year he missed it. Bowls. Yep. And by the way, that play at the goal line, they should have faked the ball to Marshawn because that was what was expected. Ooh. Now Russell's rolling short side to the left. He might run in. He might drop it off. He might throw it out of bounds. Now it's third down. What I've never they heard that take call, before. It's a good one. Yeah, what they did call was not great. The execution was bad. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, the Mariners, I'll, I'll say this, though. In the in the um, home run derby when Juan Soto beat uh, their, their young guy, I forget his, I'm forgetting his name. Julio Rodriguez. There we go. Yeah, number twenty-three. Yeah. Their young guy. He's been phenomenal this season. So oh, listen, he's really good. He's. Yeah. I'm already stamping him as Griffey 2.0. Oh my I, god! I, I, hey, here we go. Oh I just god. said that. <laughs> you <heard him laughs> first. He's stamping him. And listen, if if him and the Mariners go on some kind of subtle run in the postseason, like you said, once you're in the postseason, it's it's everyone starts out zero and zero. It's a whole different season. So you never know what could happen. But Kenny, listen. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. We really appreciated all the questions we got to ask you, all the answers you gave. You were awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. And, you know, again, we'll see, we'll see you next time, man. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Kenny. Appreciate yeah, it. Nice Danny, meeting you, man. Cool. Good luck. Peace appreciate out, man. That what was awesome to have him what on. A, yeah, what a fucking guy. He's so Holy awesome. moly. And dude, the amount of times the guy with the, the, the Swedish fish, we got the. That the was great. That, I think that the Swedish, a- I think the Swedish fish might, or nah, honestly, switching from smart water to Fiji water that's, uh, might you, be one of, that's, that's some, that's some rich guy shit right there. No offense, Kenny, of course, all question. due respect. You having the question though of that of, of just coming off with that top top of the dome, just bringing awesome. that up, that was phenomenal because it was a great soundbite to get him being like, you know what? Listen, I should drink tap water, but we got the. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a I'm a sucker for the packaging. If you have good marketing, I knew it, dude. I'm like this guy. He's got smart water and tap water. He's definitely such an advertisement bug. He, like he just he, buys it all. He did say smart water doesn't make you smarter, though, unfortunately. So yeah, We didn't I, get I that on it. I wish we got that soundbite. We missed that one. I yeah. wish we did. Yeah, he said he told us a few minutes before the show, but. That interview is over. We're going to move on to some general sports topics, going to the NFL. Again, Jacob's not with us. He, uh, we wish him luck, though, in his playoff game. Go, Jacob. Get good goals. Here we go. Nope, NFL. he's the goaltender. He's the goaltender. Oh, he is the goaltender. Stop all goals, Jacob. Right. Stop them all. He is all. the goaltender. There you Stop go. all goals. There you go. There you go. Baker Mayfield going to the NFL. He has officially been named the week one starter for the Carolina Panthers. I posted it on my Instagram story, and I posed the question, did the Panthers make the right decision? A hundred percent of the people that answered my poll said yes. And Connor, you were one of them that answered it and you said yes. So I'll go to you first. Why is this the right decision? And why did they go with Baker for the starting quarterback position? I mean, like, do you want Sam Darnold running your offense? <laughs> I was about to say, why, no. why, why is this a hard, what do you mean? Why? It's not a, it's not a hard, I'm just saying, I'm curious, I'm curious, Connor's opinion there's here. What? One no, very I mean, simple, there's one very simple listen, answer to this question. Uh, Baker Mayfield, we all know he's had his struggles, and I think that a, a change of scenery is big for him. He's yeah. miles ahead of Sam Darnold. It's, it's really as simple 100%. as that. 
Yep. Yeah, you know, you know, like that when you're in like third grade math and you have like greater than or less than, like like <laughs> Baker Mayfield is greater, greater, greater than, than Sam greater Darnold. Than, greater than. Very simple. I don't really have any other answer besides I yes, would not. Better. I don't. I just don't. Was even like up for debate in the first place. Who was gonna? Yeah, start. yeah. I I mean, I feel like Matt Corral before he got injured, he almost had a better chance of getting it than Sam Darnold did. Yeah, let's be seriously. Honest. Matt Corral's got a better chance on TikTok than he does in the NFL. and be straight up with you. <laughs> All right. I'm I mean, l- listen. L- I'm gonna be honest. Maybe the, maybe the next Juju Smith Schuster, but I think talent wise, a quarterback, I think he's he'll be he's a better option than Sam Darnold. We'll leave it at that. Baker was the obvious choice. I'm glad he got a starting job. Connor, Giants fan. Man, did you you must have breathed a sigh of relief. You just did it right now, but you must have breathed a sigh of relief today when you saw that Kayvon Thibodeau, you're I believe he was your pick for defensive rookie of the year. Am I wrong? Yes, he was. Yeah. So you again as a Giants fan, only an MCL sprain. He's gonna be expected to miss three to four weeks. His ACL and his meniscus look to be intact from the initial um x-rays they took. So here, do it with me, Connor. <sighs> it's okay. Oh, so you didn't do it together. No. No, yeah, but you know, could, but what are your like, reactions? Yeah. I, I just feel like this is going to be something that's going to be nagging him all year, even though people are downplaying it. Like, oh, agreed. Four weeks and then be good for, you know, maybe week one, probably week two. I, I it's, I just think it's going to be something that's going to be bothering him all season long. I mean, how can you not if you're a Giant fan? He's going to have a tough season, in my opinion. I hate to say it. I hate to now say it. Now he is. Yeah. I think so. I think, yeah. I think, I think honestly, he wasn't going to have. No offense, like, okay, uh, you no. know, obviously you picked him for yeah. D-Roy, but I didn't really – I don't see him on the level of Hutchinson right now, like, in terms of being able to have an impact. Uh, yeah. And he just doesn't look that – he didn't look that clean in the preseason game, to be honest. I didn't see much of him. Uh, again, I don't think any of us did, but glad that he's not, you know, out for the whole year. But I agree with yeah. Connor. This is definitely going to nag, and I think it's going to be a long season for the Giants defense as a whole and Thibodeau yeah, both, specifically. Uh... Both uh, New York teams have dodged. I was little, you literally beat me to the punch. I was going to say New York in the preseason. What's going on with you guys? First Zach Wilson with the knee, now Kayvon. It's you know I don't That's know what's thing, happening. Your in teams New York. are horrible. You have to play your stars yeah. in other teams. Yeah, you do, yeah, you have. He's to play right. Them in the, you have to That's play what in it the is. Preseason because you have to you have to get a look at them. You have to see what they can do for and you, you. And it's and you got to yeah. remember, you got guys in the preseason that are literally fighting for a contract, like yeah, fighting 100%. for fighting. Yeah, like so like fighting you for, got you yeah. got your first round pick in there who's you know got twenty two million guaranteed or whatever it may be. And you know, and you got guys out there that barely drive a Prius. Like they're they're trying to they're trying to they're trying to they're trying to they're trying to, they're trying to, they're trying to kill somebody. You know, they're trying really to take bad. somebody's they're head they're off. Trying to make their practice squad team. Forget even a contract. They're That's what I'm saying. So if you if you put a first rounder out there and he doesn't have his head on straight and he's not sure what's going on or he doesn't catch his read, yeah, he might be getting his head taken off because they don't really, they do not really care about player safety in preseason. I'll tell you that right they now. Facts. I think they care about. I, th- I think the players. I think those real ballers, those guys that are top twenty, top you know, the guys that are in the top one hundred, top two hundred players in the league, definitely have more whereabout to understand the impact of their hits and the impact of what they're doing. Preseason guys that are again fighting for a spot in a team they do not get do not give a shit if you get carried out in a stretcher. No 100%. offense. Exactly. Yeah, definitely not. Derwin James gets a four-year, 76.532, very specific, million-dollar extension from the Chargers. They re-up one of their best defenders. We've talked about the the amount of the great defenders they have on their team. Mac Bosa, now Derwin. They got J.C. Jackson. It, 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 it's insane. But Derwin James getting that contract. Connor, is he worth that money? Too much for a safety? What do you think? Uh, I think – Maybe a little bit too much for safety, but him as a player, no. I don't. I I think that it was a pretty fair contract. He, he honestly could have gotten more. Yeah, I think as a talent, he's probably talent-wise top three, top two, maybe even number one safety yeah. in the NFL when he's healthy. So listen, I, I mean, I'm not. I don't have an issue with the contract. Again, safeties and running backs, and even tight ends a little bit, kind of bear the brunt of shitty contracts not really getting paid a lot because they're not seen as valuable as other people like receivers and quarterbacks the market isn't is just not as high as those guys but Peyton him becoming the highest paid safety in, in the NFL you know right right decision wrong decision what do you think right decision they're on right, the crux right of, they're on the crux of a Super Bowl the one guy you need to lock up on that defense and I know they have Bosa I know they have Mac I know they have JC Jackson the one Singular most important guy to lock up on that defense is Derwin James because he runs the whole show from the back end. And talent wise, he's the best safety in the league. So Definitely. yeah, I could I, I, I complete I think it's completely fine. I don't I don't mind the contract at all. And I, I agree with Connor. He probably could have gotten more. So I, I think it's a fair contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a fair contract. Moving on, Deshaun Watson. I'm gonna go through all this information. It's gonna be a mouthful for the listeners. Uh, Just take yeah. all 
I know. Take all this in. I know you guys, we've been talking about this at nauseum, but let's go. So we'll start off in the soliloquy. Deshaun Watson got suspended 11 games and is going to pay a $5 million fine. He agreed on a settlement with the NFL. So now we have to take this into consideration. The NFL was going to have another judge look at this case and Deshaun Watson did not let it get to that point. He settled on this agreement of this punishment with the league. So Watson also, in addition to all that I just mentioned, he must undergo evaluation by a behavioral expert and follow suggested treatment programs by the NFL. He is eligible to return week 13 at the Texans in Houston, or, uh, you know, if we want to call it a revenge game or whatever Stage. we want to call it. It's, yeah. it, it is so staged. It's, it's, it's so staged because the NFL had a part in deciding how many weeks he's going to get with the settlement. So we get him back going into Houston playing against the Texans. He can resume practice by week 11. The league and the Browns also donated $1 million to help those who have been impacted by sexual misconduct. That's all the information. Connor, I'll go to you. Reactions. Again, I think I posted this on my story too, the question, and you uh, answered it, answered the poll, saying that this punishment was not enough. It should have been more. So give me your thoughts. My opinion, I think it's more of a marketing job by the NFL than actually them handing him the suspension he deserves. Because like yeah. you just said, week 13 against Houston, that that's his former team. Everybody knows that. He's going to go and make his debut as a Brown in Houston instead of really getting a punishment that is actually suitable for everyone's standards. I mean, we, we can all agree that it that it seems pretty staged at this point that the NFL just wants him to make his debut. They wanted him to go and face the media for some reason. I don't know why he did that. Oh like, my god, it was terrible. We're going to talk uh, about that. That yeah. was terrible. Oh but, my god. Yeah, you know, just just them giving him the suspension and then saying, "Yeah, you're good week 13 against Houston." I, it just it just doesn't sit uh, well with me at all. Peyton. I have no opinion. No opinion. Don't Nothing? Wanna, I don't don't want to talk about it anymore. Nope. Done. All right. I'll say one thing though because during the interview that they put him out in front of the media I don't know what this guy was doing. Connor, did you hear the quote where he said, oh, I apologize to anybody who was triggered or affected by this? Yeah. Who's triggered? Triggered that you allegedly sexually assaulted 24 different women? Yeah. Oh, I mean, who would be triggered by that? You know, like not even necessarily apologizing to the women directly. He was like, oh, apologizing to anybody, any of the women, any women everywhere who have been affected or triggered. Can I get my two? Can I get my two cents now? Yeah. He he lives in a bubble that none of us can fathom because we've never even come close to it. His yeah. world looks nothing like ours and his opinions and the way that he shaped his thoughts around this whole thing is probably so jaded and so distorted that even in like not in front of the media, I think he probably thinks the same way. Like I don't think he even has the wherewithal or the ability to like put on a front to the media. I truly think that's how he feels. Um, yeah. And I think in a sense, he's almost lost it. Um, and again, I, I really, that's all I got to say about that. I and got, you know, I got the it. Browns coming out and saying that people deserve, or that people always deserve a second chance. The dude oh, shows yeah, the no owner rem- said that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, the guy shows zero, you know, remorse. Remorse. He all. said, he so, still claims full innocence. Yeah. So I, it's, it's, it's just a really, it's a really bad job by the NFL, the Browns, Watson, everybody. Yeah, I just the whole situation is messy. I didn't think it was going to be this bad, but after hearing him speak, he just seemed discombobulated. Nothing was mm-hmm. like st- he didn't stick to one point, one storyline. He was all over the place. Every, I didn't like the way he everybody was everybody around him is validating his behavior. Hundred percent. No, nobody in his camp. Owners, no everybody. Browns, NFL, everybody in his camp. Everybody around him is validating what he did and making him feel like it wasn't that big a deal. So that's why he's yeah. talking the way he is. It's not only obviously responsibility falls solely on him. But you have to look around at the league, at the Browns, at his, you know, immediate circle and just say, who the hell is this guy like talking to? Who is telling him that this is, you know, normal behavior, that this isn't like serious, serious. Who's who's aiding this? Like who's aiding and abetting the conversation that he's having with the media? Who's giving him the platform and kind of urging him? I think it goes hand in hand with all these Again, I'm all for players' rights and more power to the players. I think the most important part of the game is the players. But I think it's put certain athletes, a guy like him specifically, in this place where he feels like he's done no wrong and he's untouchable. And it's just – it looks awful. It looks god-awful. Definitely. Definitely. We'll move on, though. Again, we talked about that at nauseum, so I'm I'm sure Peyton's glad to move on. We're going to go to some Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers talk, which – 
I'm going to start off by getting my thoughts on the whole situation and just providing all the information once again. So recently Aaron Rodgers came out and expressed frustration with his young wide receiving core, which includes Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs. Dobbs has been the primary guy in camp. Watson hasn't played 11 on 11 yet. He's been hurt during camp. So haven't seen much of him. Basically some of the stuff that Rodgers was talking about, he has, first off, we'll talk about the receivers who are, have been there before older veterans. He's very high on Alan Lazard. He has said that he believes that uh, Alan Lazard can be a true number one wide receiver. He thinks Randall Cobb is still a premier slot receiver in the NFL, and he's very excited about what Sammy Watkins can bring. He said recently Watkins has been having some of his best days during camp, so he's excited to see what Watkins can bring. Rob Domofsky, who covers the Packers for ESPN, I'm going to read this quote directly from my phone. Interviewed Rodgers, and this is what Rodgers said. You know, repeat mistakes are a problem, so we just got to clean those things up a little bit. The young guys got to be way more consistent. You know, a lot of drops, a lot of running the wrong routes. So we got to get better in that area. We're going to play our best guys when the season starts. And whoever those guys are, those guys are going to get the reps. And it's the guys I trust the most and the guys that the coaching staff trust the most. He loves the word guys, apparently, because it was like six times back to back in that quote. Mm -hmm. And then per Packers reporter, uh, Rob Domofsky, again, some of Rogers' frustration was born from that preseason game that we talked about when Jordan Love had the three interceptions. And he blamed all of those on the young receivers. He didn't blame a single one on Jordan Love, came out and said it was all due to drops, not running the correct route, not being aware of the situation that you were that they, that they were in with the corner behind them, that kind of thing. Blamed it all on the receivers. Rogers also came out and said, guys who don't catch the ball will not play. And lastly, the last thing. He brought up A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones and that he could very much see a scenario where both of those guys get at least 50 catches apiece this season using them out of the backfield. A lot of information, a mouthful. Connor, are the Packers going to be successful? Is Rodgers going to have a good rapport with his young receiving core? And do you still trust them after all of this to win the NFC North? I think that this is actually a good thing for the Packers, you know, just because of the scrutiny between Rodgers and them over the past couple of seasons, it proves that he really wants to win here. He wants them to be successful. And if there's someone in the Packers organization that can motivate those young guys, it's Aaron Rodgers. So, 100%. you know, him saying this in the preseason is a really good sign for them. And and now I expect the Packers to, have a, to uh, go out there and play really well. So um, you don't think – sorry, I just want to – Connor, so you don't think it was wrong of him to call his his young receivers out publicly, no. right? No, not, not at, all. at all. Okay. All right, Peyton. I agree with Connor. I think he called out the weakest part of their team at the moment, and I think that's the right thing to do, to call on the weakest link to perform so that the entire mm -hmm. team can succeed. Because if their receivers – if one of either Romeo Dobbs, whatever his name is, Lazard, if, if one of Lazard, Dobbs, or Watson can be a true number one – they have a really, really, really good shot this year. Without that number one, I still think they have a decent shot because of how good their defense is. And I, I love A.J. Dillon on the ground, and I still love Aaron Jones as one of the most versatile, dynamic players in the league. So yeah. I still love their chances, but I, I agree with Connor. I think it's the right thing to do. And honestly, I think it'll just make him perform. You know, the pressure from a guy like that, I mean, how can you not feel it? He's, he's yeah. yeah, and Romeo Romeo Dobbs performed a lot better in that Saints preseason game. He had a lot of great, tough, contested catches in the end zone on the sideline over some defenders, and that was after Aaron Rodgers called him out. So, and that was even with Jordan Love not in for the entire game. Like I like I like I told you, Romeo was three one to three hundred to win offensive yeah, rookie the show, of the year told me this, before yeah. before the saints game after the saints game he's one to 15 so yeah obviously that saints game was drastic improvement he was making well, a lot uh, of tough catches. obviously people are noticing it and hopefully it can you know translate into the league if there's one guy yeah. that can make you look good it's aaron Rodgers. so and yeah. i i agree with both of you I, there's no disagreement here i think he, he was 100 percent right to call them out because if anyone has the right outside of tom brady in the league right now like outside of guys like mahomes and josh allen and brady rogers has entire the entire right to call out young receivers who just got in here and Rodgers is used to a certain level of play, certain level of commitment, certain level of competence of being able to just understand the route tree that you have, the offense that you're in, not dropping balls. Like he had, he had come out and said that he, Romeo Dobbs before the Saints game, I think this might even be why he played so well. There was a bounce back during training camp. Dobbs beat his defender on a go route down the sideline and Rogers put the ball right in the, like in the bread basket for him. And it went right through his hands and Rogers was get was like getting after him during training camp. And he was really pissed off. That's where some of the frustration stemmed from as well. After that comes out and has a baller game in the second preseason uh, in the second preseason game, excuse me. So 
I really do think it was the right call because I feel like we're already like, like that. We're seeing drastic improvement. Not Sorry, not drastic. We're seeing improvement, put it that mm-hmm. way, from these young guys. Hopefully when Christian Watson comes back, we can see a little bit. My offensive rookie of the year, I want to see big things out of him. Let's go, Watson. But uh-uh. yeah, we'll, 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 I know. We'll see. Now Dobbs has better odds than he does, but we'll see what Watson can do once he gets back from his injury, gets off the PUP list, and he can play 11 on 11, see how Rodgers can work with him. Final thing we're going to go over. NBA, LeBron James signed a two-year, $97.1 million extension with the Los Angeles Lakers. It had been pending for a while. We were all wondering whether he was going to sign back with them or not. He finally did. Of course, he has a player option in the 2024-2025 season. It's what LeBron does. Gives himself insurance in case he needs to get out of there if they suck again. Fraud. Looking like, yeah, fraud. Which is looking like, shut up. Shut up. Fraud. Shut up. Fraud. Okay. Fraud. It's, fraud. Look, it's looking like they might suck, so he always assures himself. Take care of yourself first. With this contract, though, he now becomes the highest earning player in NBA history, having made $532 million guaranteed dollars throughout his, I believe, 2021 year career. Just general thoughts and reactions to that. I mean, $532 million guaranteed. I think I believe he's already a billionaire from all the money he's made off the court as well. With oh, for sure. For Nike, sure. Everything. For sure. For what sure. are the reactions to this, though, now passing Kevin Durant being, you know, he's halfway to being a billionaire just from the NBA? Payne, go ahead. Why do I have to go? Um, my rea- my reactions. <laughs> I mean, apparently. there's nobody in the league that can fill the guy's shoes. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't even think there's many players from the past, all-time greats, and I'm not going to name them out of pure respect for them, but I, I really don't know if they could fill the shoes of LeBron James in terms of the impact that he has on the court in every the facet scru- of the, the game. And the scrutiny he endured as an 18-year-old. He's, he, he, he endured – okay, yeah, when he was young, he didn't deserve the scrutiny. Now he deserves all so I'm saying that he's been the most scrutinized – no, not even deserve or not. He's, maybe, that's made him, maybe that's made him the way he is now, but, but he's I been think the, he's, he's, an, he's the most scrutinized player in sports history of any sport ever. Ever. He's also the most he's also the most hypocritical sports player of all time in sports uh, history. Well, we won't get close. into that now, but yeah. Massive hypocrite. Massive show. massive bum. Another, don't, like, don't like him at all. Uh but yeah, he deserves all the money in the world. He's the best player in the NBA by far. So All right, Connor, what do you think? Best player of our generation just he's he's been unreal. Um I I mean, I agree with Peyton. He's been extremely um, you know, hypocritical through through the later stages of his career but early on yes. i love him dude he was he was so sick uh it's gonna be interesting to see how these final two years play out though yeah definitely honestly and these last these last two years could really like make they could him. they could make or break the argument for him being the definite the number one player of all exactly yeah. exactly there's definitely. no doubt that he's top five there's no doubt there's no doubt that he's yeah. top three to be honest there's no, doubt, no, there's no doubt that he's top two what do you mean bro there's I mean, no doubt. There is no doubt. I, I think I think there's I think there's conversation. But if, if these last two years go well and he actually sticks to his guns and sticks to his word and plays like he can and wins a chipper, one or two, just one chip would do, I think. Yeah. Then he'd probably be the best of all time. He's gonna pass Kareem most likely. I don't know if he already has. No, he will. Uh, he, by this year, he's gonna get it most likely. Yeah. So once he passes Kareem, if he gets another chip under his belt in the next two years, then he's probably gonna be the definite number one yep. player of all time and it's going to be really Probably. hard to make an argument if he passes cream and doesn't get a chip within the next two years and they it's play arguable. like crap it's going to it's be very crazy. it's extremely arguable yeah. yes yeah for sure last thing i know that w- i said that was the last thing but i you have lied. to give this li- you I lied. have to give listen i have to give the live update we got a yankees fan here and a mets fan over here judge just hit his 47th home run of the season the yankees Woo! are up two nothing in the bottom of the third most likely won't last because we have sucked as of late but, you know, listen, I'm going to enjoy this lead while it lasts over Connor's Mets, who have been surging as of late. They've been phenomenal. They look like, in my opinion, Excuse the World me. Series favorites. But, listen, Yankees got you guys right now. It's only the bottom. That's against the Scherzer, too. It's impressive. It is against Scherzer. Yeah, Judge got his 47th. But, listen, yeah. had to give the live update. This show is now officially over. We covered a lot of topics that Kenny made on the show. We were so appreciative to have him on. I got to meet him in Los Angeles, got to get him as the connection. Get him on our show over here. Finally, it was great to have him on. He gave a lot of great sound bites, great questions. Thank you again for coming on. If you don't follow us on Instagram at TCHT underscore podcast, go follow us over there. All of our socials, Jacob, myself, Connor, Peyton, even Kenny Main and the cold hard truth, all of our socials down below in the description. Thank you guys so much for listening to another great episode of the cold hard truth. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Thank y'all. you. Peace.